Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to episode 131 of A Play on Nerds. As always, I'm Steve. This other guy is German. And we're going to co-host the hell out of this thing. Hell yeah. German, what are we talking about this week? So this week we're doing more in our kind of um, October themed Halloween stuff with a, a rule of three review of Army of Darkness, which is a third film in the Evil Dead series. Uh, a good film again. That's right. Uh, rule of three, where we take a look at the third installment in various franchises, the good, the bad, the ugly. And this week, German's right. It's not too bad. Right. In the future, you'll, you'll get a lot of bad films in this uh, feature. Oh, there's going to be do. a lot of bad ones. <laughs> like, but we've with this and Back to the Future, back to back, you guys are getting yeah. lucky this time. Because eventually we'll have like Leprechaun 3. That's going to happen eventually. Oh, man. It's going to be so bad good. <laughs> I'm going to love it. It's going to be great. But before we talk about Rule of Three, Jarman, what have you been up to since last time we talked? Last week, basically. Yeah. Um, That's right. Uh, last week, I went with the girlfriend, Jolie, to the Pride Parade. Uh, Orlando Ooh. Pride Parade, and it was a lot of fun. Um, the big problem was that I've never been to a Pride Parade before, and I was very happy to go for the first time. But uh, a lot of people would pass by in the parade, and then we thought it was over. All we always saw were police and a bunch of like boring floats, and then nothing happened for like 10, 15 minutes. We're like, oh, I guess the parade's over. That was really lame. And then more people came, and we're like, oh, I guess it's still going. That's great. And it got more and more cool as it went on. But it was just very unorganized because it kept like having big gaps between people coming in the parade. So got it. So it just wasn't coordinated enough. Yeah. It must not have been, but um, cause it, otherwise it was fantastic. It's just a matter of like, they need to make sure that works out better next time. I bet you uh, incredible dancing, good dancing, good floats, good representation, good music, a lot of fun people there, a lot of swag being thrown out and candy and stuff. It was a good old time. And we had a lot, fantastic of, pizza. a lot of nearly inappropriate outfits. Yeah. And that's actually an interesting thing. Um, my friend, who's one of my DMS, one of the games I play in um, him and his husband, they brought their two kids to the pride parade. Cause it's supposed to be a family friendly affair. Um, and, you know, he explained to his kids ahead of time, like what um, being trans means, what means, what it means to be a drag queen, that kind of thing. And their kids totally got that. It made no difference to them whatsoever. Like, Oh, that's interesting. Okay, okay cool. And then, but the problem is there was a couple people in the parade that were wearing sex toys or even kind of using sex toys in a way. Um, okay. One of them being like a uh, basically a butt plug that forms a tail. Uh, and the guy had assless chaps on and had a butt plug in that was a tail. And okay. this my DM, understandably so, is like, that's not cool. Like, I can explain to my kid natural things like being trans and being uh Doing, being a drag queen even is cool, like whatever. But you don't need to have sex toys out and available uh, or visible on a pride parade. It's not about that's nothing to do with being gay or being trans or anything like that. It's it's just inappropriate. Yeah, um, and biologically, most humans don't have tails. Yes, exactly. So it's it's inappropriate. 
on any level, basically. It's, ir- it's irresponsible from bi- from biological point of view. <laughs> but no, and he even said he posted about this on Facebook, and he's like, "Hey, I I have am totally cool with whatever your sexual preferences are, your kinks or whatever. That's cool in, in the bedroom. But it's like the, the pride parade isn't about that. It's not about anything sexual at all. Actually, it's just about being open about who you are and being cool with that and." bringing sexual things into that into the public eye is not what we're for and it just further stereotypes and so I yeah if you want to do that you come to san francisco for the Folsom street fair is that different uh, <laughs> it's very different it's like leather daddy extreme dominance kink and hey if that's the parade for that's fine yeah exactly yeah, one of the one of the guys in my group my dnd group ed uh, has like both a boyfriend and a fiance and they all go together. Yeah. And if you're prepared for it's that, that's, you wouldn't bring your kids to that. Basically that's the he idea. Leads a life that just makes me feel tired <laughs> just from listening to all the things he has to do. Oh, believe me. I have several friends who live lives that sound interesting and cool, but just really tiresome. I totally, yeah, but that. in like a, in like a Thursday night book kind of way. <laughs> Thursday night book. Look, I'm going to tuck in with a nice book. Oh, let's read about Folsom Street Fair. Like that, that kind of. <laughs> or like being polyamorous. I'm totally cool with whatever you want to do with your life. It's just that that sounds exhausting. It just sounds really. It sounds so difficult. <laughs> in my D&D group, I guess from one player prior, we Ed and then the, the girl in our group was also polyamorous and they would talk about it. And me and Danny, the like married guys with kids. Just go, man, what the hell is your life? Well, at the same time, I'm like, I I say one thing where I'm like, it's hard enough to be everything you need to be for one person, let alone two people. But then Uh, I get I get their argument. They say that, like, well, that means you don't have to be everything for that one person. You have somebody else in your relationship that can be those other things that you can't give them. And I'm like, oh, that makes some sense to me. So I get I get the idea behind it. It's just not for me. But I I totally having having the time for that is like, right. I can't comprehend it. And they make it work. Sometimes it it happens. So it's just it's good for them. Like if anyway, in that respect, the whole like sister wife. Oh, polyamory model makes more sense because you're under one roof and spending time together. Like you don't have to go to a different place to be with the other person. I know families uh, here in Orlando that live all under one roof and there's like five people in a one relationship. They're all five together and they have different kids together, but they're all under one roof. So it's a big house. and They all live together. And that I could imagine easier than like trying to maintain two completely separate things. Yeah. That aren't together. Right. right. That's just hard for me to comprehend. That's a little more difficult just emotionally, too. Yeah, man, I barely want to deal with my cats <laughs> on top of your wife and kid as well. <laughs> and another wife or something. <laughs> Sounds like, crazy. Like, yeah, just insane. I don't know if you have the energy for it. Good for you, whoever you are on the Internet. Yeah. And we're not judging. Not at all. It's just a matter of. Uh, no, no, no. If I was young and dumb and not tired all the time, maybe. <laughs> We won't say dumb because people do this in their 30s and 40s and that's, it just works. For I them. know. Young and dumb is a youth. You, you know what right. I'm saying. When you're young and foolish. It's not a foolish thing, though. We can't say that either. It's just not for us. Right. But it's too late for me to think about it now. <laughs> well, no, that's. Yeah. You would have already been there by now if it was for you. It's not for you. Right. That's what I'm saying. Okay. All right. Gotcha. <laughs> like when you're young and willing to try things. Right. You're not willing to try that now. Is, is Now is not the time no, for you to start I being polyamorous. My feet hurt all the time. Because <laughs> <laughs> your feet hurt, you cannot be polyamorous. I just cannot. <laughs> 
<laughs> All right. So, uh, and then uh, on top of that, uh, every week we can do it. I have a group of friends that we used to watch Star Trek together every week when Discovery was on. But now that it's not on, we decided to do Doom Patrol, this uh, show that's been out for a while on DC Universe. Okay. And so we've been watching one episode every couple of weeks. Um, and we watched that tonight and it was fun. Uh, it's gotten better with each episode. It's actually pretty funny thanks to Brendan Fraser bringing it. Um, he's that's right. He plays, I think, Mr. Robot or Dr. Or just robot. I don't. I forgot what his name was. The character, um, but it's it's actually a pretty good show once you get into it. So yeah, it sounds time. memorable. <laughs> I can't remember their names, but it's just there's funny moments. It's a good show. Horrible CGI, but also Alan Tudyk is in it, and he's fantastic. So okay, I can't complain. Yeah. So yeah, it's been my week. What's been up with you, buddy? Oh man, we had a whirlwind. My parents came to town. Yeah, they did for a week. Uh, they left yesterday. Uh, we had a few days here in town with them, and then we went down to uh, Aptos, California, which oh. is about an hour south on the coast, and had like a little beach bungalow kind of house, and did a couple beach days, and went up to Santa Cruz, and went out and saw giant redwoods, and just did a ton of stuff. I saw some pictures. He looks fantastic. Um, I'm so tired. We came home beat up just every day. Oh, no. The mattresses were just the worst. Oh, my gosh. Oh, at the house you were staying at? It's like I was going to bed to be beaten in my sleep. Oh, God. Were they too hard, too soft, just bumpy? Just like lumps. Yeah, oh, like like gotcha. all the, the previous dead tenants in there. <laughs> they all died there. Well, yes, ultimately. <laughs> um, but the best part was is so my parents rented this, and I saw the Airbnb listing, and it made it sound like just you're just right around the corner from the beach. Mm -hmm. You go out our, our front door, you make a right and you make another right at the path and you take it right down. And, and my mom and all of us kind of have this, this image in our head based off of this description. This is going to be like a nice gentle slope or something. Sure. But instead it was a windy goat path from hell down the side <laughs> of a sand dune, <laughs> like washed out steps that were clearly put in, in the eighties and never redone. Dangerous dangerous there's a part where there was just no more railing it was like yeah it was just you in an open air and 20 feet to the ground nice uh as i said like the steps were washed out and the ground was completely uneven i was like oh my god so we were we felt a little bit tricked in that regard for sure um otherwise we got to go have a date afternoon we went uh, again to an arcade nice and spent an irresponsible amount of money it's fine though. <laughs> uh, uh, we won a uh, Jack Skellington and a Sally Funko Pop for the kid. Beautiful. One with skill, one with tickets. <laughs> uh, and then the other thing I don't think I mentioned on the last episode, or I'm not sure if it was 100% official on the last episode, uh, I got a promotion at work. I wasn't going to mention it until you said something. Literally because, yeah. right before my parents came to town. I got to, which is funny because last time they came to town, I got to tell them I didn't get a job. Uh, or actually, I, I turned down a job, rather. But now, and also, folks, he got a promotion and basically is doing the same job, which is great. Right, right. Well, at Apple, it's it's like a pay scale. It's more like I'm a different rank. Yeah. You earned it. Yes, I've gone up a rank. But what that means is uh, I get salary now. I'm not hourly anymore for the first time in my career, which is, is super nice. exciting. I get some long-term benefits. 
And just uh, the fact that you have a kid and the family, like it's great that you got this promotion. It's fantastic. Yeah, it's just, it's just spectacular. Very exciting. Very proud of you, buddy. Yeah, I did it. We've known each other for like 20 years. So I'm just (laughs) 23. (laughs) I'm always proud of everything you do. Uh, Oh, I get pants on every day. The recent photos that you took on this trip, you look so mature and so put together. I thank your wife for that. Nah, I'm a, yeah, I mean, I don't have any more. I've got like two Hawaiian shirts left, man. When we were kids, he only wore Hawaiian shirts every single day and his hair was always nuts. And now he looks like in a full grown adult. It looks fantastic. You look, you look great. I I work down the hall from the senior vice president that I work for. (laughs) He sees me. We sometimes go pee in the same bathroom. (laughs) I can't be that crazy purple haired Mohawk. Who looks like he's on permanent Hawaiian vacation? I just can't be. I can't be that guy anymore. You're not. I still. I still wear my my Crocs or uh, my Burks every day. That is not. Changed. They're comfortable. They're comfortable. Uh, and I wear shorts most of the time. I uh, I work uh, in my underwear, so we're good. Man, you got me beat. That's my goal. I literally have to though because my booth gets so hot when I'm recording these long audiobooks that I have to it's so warm in there that like if I put any clothes on those be covered in sweat so I I, I go in my underwear and that's it. I sit there in my booth and record in my underwear. Not because I'm like, "Oh, look, I'm in my underwear," but because it's practical. That's right. Drink it in, ladies. <laughs> <laughs> ladies. <laughs> Jolie person. Mm, person. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, so vacation and promotion, both good things. And That's now awesome. I just got back to work today and got caught up. And then tomorrow's my Friday, which is awesome. That's great. Get some time uh, off yeah. again. That's right. Uh, <laughs> but until that time, let's get back to some nerdy news. Yes. It's time for nerdy news. All, All right, right. So. This week, I've got a little something that's interesting. Uh, a NASA engineer designs helical. Okay, Ian Cohen, if you're listening to this, you'll you'll correct me if I get this wrong. Helical it's hell cycle. <laughs> NASA engineer designs helical engine that could get close to the speed of light. All right, so this NASA engineer designs a helical engine which needs no propellant to achieve a physics law busting near light speed. And he published a paper about this. Uh, he says a new concept for in-space propulsion is proposed in which a propellant is not ejected from the engine, but instead is captured to create a nearly infinite specific impulse. The engine accelerates ions confined in a loop to moderate relativistic speeds and then varies their velocity to make slight changes to their mass. The engine then moves ions back and forth along the direction of travel to produce thrust. So the interesting thing is that the math, he, he says many times that math errors may exist. He's not sure if this will work, but the only way he can test it is if they do it in space. They can only build this engine in space because of certain scientific reasons. It can't be built on ground. It has to be built actually in space. So that's very difficult to do. But if they do, it would be revolutionary in the ideas of space travel. And if we could actually go places and in a very economical manner and not be taking thousands of years to go places. Um, 
He says this in-space engine could be used for long-term satellite station keeping without refueling. It could also propel spacecraft across interstellar distances, uh, reaching close to the speed of light. The engine has no moving parts other than ions traveling in a vacuum line trapped inside electric and magnetic fields. So it sounds pretty fucking amazing, if I may say so myself. This sounds like the plot to a movie called The Accidental Astronaut. Oh, I haven't heard of that. We're a desperate. No, I'm just making it up right oh. now. We're <laughs> a desperate scientist who always wanted to go to space. Is like, hey, I came up with this crazy thing. I want to try. But I have to go to space first. <laughs> you have to send me to space, or it won't work. <laughs> he gets up there and he wrecks everything. He just like and shits in space, basically. <laughs> I'm gonna call right now. Martin Short's in it. <laughs> I like that. I like that idea. The accidental astronaut. Can oh we send someone else? No, it has to be me. Got me. Got me. Only my head can calculate the maths. So Burns' engine is a helical because it uses a particle accelerator, which is shaped like a helix rather than a ring, like in the Large Hadron Collider. Um, but anyways, it sounds fascinating, and I think we're coming up with more and more ideas, like the EM drive, this kind of thing that can make us actually physically be able to travel in space at a reasonable rate and not take thousands of years to get places um if even if we're traveling at the speed of light though it'll still take years and years to get places so it's it's we got a long way to go but it's still interesting and it's actually happening which is pretty cool that's my story all right well my story this week with a cheeky title is the nose nose <laughs> nice. and a group of scientists took a look at why people who habitually sleep deprive themselves uh, tend to want terrible foods and get fat huh uh, well, guess what? Your nose might be to blame. So they took 25 participants and put them in a four-hour-a-night sleep deprivation study. Then they tested their blood and found elevated levels of this com- compound called 2-oleoglycerol. I tried. <laughs> uh, they then found that the participants had the, had the highest levels of this compound wanted more junk food and calorie-dense food when they were allowed to eat whatever they wanted. Hmm. So they took, uh, at the same time, they took brain scans and found that there's the smell processing center of the brain called the piriform cortex was working much, much harder the higher this, the level of this compound was. Uh, And that the piriform cortex links to a part of the brain called the insula, which is a little part in one of the folds of the brain, uh, which is uh, responsible for self-awareness. Interesting. Pain, how you perceive pleasure, how you perceive hunger, uh, how wine tastes, like those things are perception-based things are based off this place. And the lack of sleep altered the relationship between these two parts of your your brain uh, that then skewed participants towards junk food. Huh. So when you're sleep deprived, your nose works in an overdrive to stimulate you to eat really terrible things. <laughs> Interesting. So basically so, you, want, so, you want carbs more when you're not sleeping enough. So when you've only had four hours of sleep and a pizza sm- suddenly smells real good and irresistible, it might literally be all in your head. That is Interesting. It's like maybe if you're sleep deprived back in the day when you're a caveman, you just that means that you're always on the on 
fear of being attacked. And so you need more carbs to keep you alive, to keep you energized. It might go back to that, maybe. Maybe. Some evolutionary sense kind of thing. Um, but yeah, there you go. Very cool. The nose knows. The nose does know. <laughs> All right. So before we get into our discussion of Army of Darkness and our Rule of Three review, uh, I've got a bit called Odd Armaments. <laughs> I like it. Where I've got some um, some sort of like a little history lesson about some of the, the strangest military regiments in history. Because this movie we're about to talk about, it has a lot of odd armaments and odd ways of fighting battles. So that makes sense. <laughs> uh, so the first one are the Potsdam Giants. Hmm. So Frederick Willem I of Prussia decided that he wanted to make an army of the tallest guys in Europe. <laughs> I get it. He was about 5'3 or 5'4. The height requirement was 6'2, which even now is above average, but back then was way Huge. above average. Because you're what? You're 6'2? I'm 6'2. You're 6'2. Okay. He recruited uh, soldiers from all over Europe, uh, other countries, mercenary groups, uh, and then other countries even started sending them their, their tallest fighters as gifts when they wanted to gain favor. Oh. Um, so they trained every single day, uh, but no, they, while they were a full battalion, they never saw any, any actual battles because even though they trained, most of them weren't fit for normal military service because a lot of them suffered from giantism or had complications due to their heights. Wow. It's crazy thing that back then six, two, they were having those complications. Cause that's like normal today. Like well, their highest guy was seven foot one. Oh shit. Okay. Their tallest guy. So there was a range. Six, two was the absolute was the minimum. Okay. Gotcha. Um, and so because of the, these things, none of them were really fighters. Uh, when Frederick died and his son, Frederick, the great took, took power. He, uh, downsized considerably the regiment it did finally go to battle but it got there pretty much just in time to surrender to napoleon in 1806 oh shit <laughs> uh, and then they were disbanded huh uh the catalan grand company is the next one they came together in 1302 under the leadership of this guy named roger de Flor. uh they were made up of veterans of this crazy war that i'd never heard of <laughs> called the war of sicilian vespers Never heard of it either. <laughs> 6,500 strong. They finally, they suddenly found themselves unemployed and they got hired by the Byzantine empire to help them fight the Ottoman Turks. Mm. They did an, a great job and really stuck it to the, the Ottoman Turks. But unfortunately they also started then raiding and pillaging Byzantine cities. Oh, like, so Oh, we're done. Let's keep pillaging. <laughs> so the Byzantine emperor hired a different group of mercenaries to kill them. Uh, he ambushed them, killing their leader, Roger de Flores and about 1300 of them. The rest of them escaped to Greece. Uh, they started, tried setting up their own city for a while, but that failed miserably. Uh, and then they went to work for the Duke of Athens. Uh, after a contract, they got in an argument about their payment and they killed him and his whole army. Oh, jeez! And then they were in charge of Athens. <laughs> <laughs> we're in charge now. So they consolidated power and they were actually in power in Athens for 75 years uh, before a Florentine army, a fl army from Florence came in and, and destroyed them. Basically them mercenaries were in charge of Athens. Yeah. Huh. For 75 years. That's fascinating. Uh, and then the ghost army, 
of the U.S. Uh, oh, so this was uh, something that was classified for 40 years after the war and only recently has had a more light and more kind of public light brought to it. Huh. Uh, and so the this army regiment came about after a major success from our British allies. It's something called Operation Bertram. We're during the second uh, a lot of history here. The second battle yeah. of El Alamein. British troops disguised. Wait, what, their- what, what year is this? Wait, when is this happening? 1940, 1941. Okay, so during World War II. Yeah, World War II. Okay, gotcha. Uh, so the second battle of El Alamein, which was in um, was in Egypt. Ah, uh, British troops disguised their supplies as piles of trash, <laughs> and then they put plywood on jeeps to make them look like tanks, and they put plywood on tanks to make them look like trucks, <laughs> and completely screwed their enemy up and made them think they were attacking much further south than they really were. <laughs> It was a huge success. So seeing this, the U.S. set up their own version. Um, so the Ghost Army recruits consisted of soldiers from mostly recruits from art schools and ad agencies, uh, people with backgrounds in um, acting and scene design and engineers. Uh, and they put brought all these people together and they figured out how can we trick the Axis. Right. Um, so they worked uh, with, uh, let's see. So they had dummy tanks and artillery, just like the British, but then they also uh, had fake planes. They started uh, working with inflatable tanks and Jeeps that they could put up and down in a matter of minutes. Huh. Uh, they, they had set up fake airfields and fake military bases uh, and like fake harbor things to make them think they were bringing in supplies when they really weren't. Um, they worked with Bell Labs at the time to create the first wire recorders, which was an early predecessor to the magnetic recording media that dominated basically until VHS died. Right. Uh, Bell Labs actually went to Fort Knox and recorded men marching and vehicles and platoons moving in and out and then gave them these discs that they could then play back and mix as they needed to perform whatever mix of things they needed in the field. Interesting. Uh, and the rig that they had was so big, it could be heard 15 miles away. <laughs> so it's not very stealthy. No, but it wasn't meant to be right. Uh, they set up, this is my favorite one. This is when we th- think of you, this is what you would have done during the war. <laughs> so they set up spoof radio channels and had guys who were good at their voices and good impersonators impersonate other radio operators for actual regiments. Oh, so the real regiments could move out of an area and these guys would stay and pretend to be them wow. so that the enemy didn't know that they had left. That makes total sense. So these guys would do impressions of each other. <laughs> that's so funny. Just to screw with the axis. Uh, so yeah, that's the ghost army, uh, the U S world war II secret weapon. That makes a lot of sense. That's amazing. Yeah, it's absolutely crazy. What a good segment, Steve. Yeah, it's damn right. <laughs> so now we're going to talk about Army of Darkness, Rule of Three Review. Um, so this one, so it's really, it's really funny because I put this on and I said to myself, man, it's been years since I've said, seen Evil Dead 2. Oh, yeah. I wonder if I'm going to remember enough. And then this movie literally opens with a short recap of evil Dead. of everything. <laughs> I was like, Oh, well that was convenient. Yeah. 
because they're they're figuring most people haven't seen it. Right, right, right. and even uh, in the naming of the movie, which was supposed to originally be the Medieval Dead, and then the studio said no, it's going to be Army of Darkness, and Sam Raimi said okay, so Evil Dead Three, Army of Darkness. And they said no, just Army of Darkness. Yeah, they, we they, want this movie to be able to stand on its own because this is the first one to like actually get studio big funding. Um, yeah. and it's like they want it to stand on its own because Evil Dead One and Two are just cult classics. Um, but Medieval Dead makes so much sense. It would have been a great name for the film. <laughs> 1992 right. when this came out. And unfortunately, I've seen this movie many times. I love this movie growing up. Um, but I, the Storks provided me with a, a, a version of it that I had not seen before, which we will talk about later because there are different versions of this film. Yeah, notoriously, there are four different versions of the movie. Yeah, the ending of this film, I was like, I've never seen this ending before, so we'll talk about that later. <laughs> All right. Uh, so as far as third movies go, I think this is pretty darn good. Oh, so enjoyable. Uh, it was. It's nice to see, like, this is one of the early times where you saw what Raimi could do with a budget. Sam Raimi, who uh, directed eventually Spider-Man 1 and 2 with Tobey Maguire. Dragged me to hell, a um, bunch of others. He produced great. Cabin in the Woods, his footprints were all over cabin in the woods yeah um it was great to see like the first time he really had some money to throw around and he really made a lot out of it yeah and it just it's like one of the they don't make movies like this anymore it's it's practical effects everywhere it's goofy it's silly but with a lot of extras a lot of care taken to each shot it reminds you a lot of all the monty python movies the way it's shot i think um and they just they don't make movies like this anymore at all. It's just that it's not polished at all. It's just very silly, um, gritty, ridiculous, uh, rated R. But like it could be like a Muppet movie for adults. Right. Like there's not that many reasons it's actually rated R. Yeah. Except for the cursing, basically. And even the cursing is not crazy. And there's some boobs in one scene. There are some boobs in one scene. But that could, have been, that could easily have not been there. Yeah, absolutely. It didn't have to be there. Right, it's not like nudity was integral to the plot. <laughs> Definitely it's not. Just nice to have. <laughs> of course, no one complains. Uh, and Bruce so, Campbell was in great shape in this movie too, so you're not complaining about that either. That's right. This is also the first and the last time he was the lead in a big Hollywood movie. Uh, yeah, unfortunately, because I love yeah. Bruce Campbell. Wish he had more. He's better as a side character in a chin, you know. <sighs> and he's better in B movies as the lead character. <laughs> yes. Um. So this movie starts once again with a recap of what happened last one. He worked at S smart. He went to a cabin in the woods with well, his girlfriend. Before that. Yeah. We want to say like the, the plot of the evil dead movies is that they all him and his friends go to a cabin and uh, the evil, I guess, uh, attacks them at the cabin. He yeah, they unlock an ancient evil. Right. Uh, that possesses one and kills the other and attempts to attack him. He fights it off. And manages to escape. Is that right? Yeah, but um, what I didn't remember is that, in, at least in my cut of the film, he immediately from Evil Dead 2 is taken into this time warp and goes to the past. I yeah, thought, I didn't remember that at all. What? I didn't remember that at all. Yeah, I thought he went to go work for S-Mart and stuff and then, then was pulled into the, the time warp. Yeah, that's sort of what I thought too. 
I think I watched a different version of the film than I watched earlier. That, because also they make Bridget Fonda, who is a huge star eventually, but they make they recap make her the uh the love interest from Evil Dead 2 when she wasn't. She wasn't in that movie. And she just has no speaking lines in this version I saw. But right, apparently, right. apparently her part was cut a lot. Um, but yeah, so she dies and he goes so back to the past. He ends up in a portal to the past. He finds himself suddenly in chains, captured with these the red or whatever the hell his name was taken to a castle where he is accused of being an enemy and told that he's going to be fed to a monster in a pit. Right. He's in like 13 something hundred beast. Uh, yeah. 80. Ah, 80, 80, 80. 80. Yes. So he gets pushed into the pit himself where he gets confronted by like a witch demon possessed hag. And before that, um, the guy tells him who's captured with, he's like, I'm Henry and they're, they're here for me. But you're captured with me. And he's like, well, hello, Mr. Fancy Pants. You're in charge of Jack and shit. And Jack left town. I love the one liners in this movie so much. They're like my favorite part of the whole movie. Okay, so I said this to Anna at one point. I said, it feels like every single one of Bruce Campbell's lines in this movie was made to go on a sound soundboard. <laughs> yes, because I had that soundboard every when I was a kid. Single <laughs> line was like designed to be on a T-shirt. I think we played those soundboards together when we were growing up. Oh, yeah. Yeah, but every <laughs> single line. Give me some sugar, baby. <laughs> oh, man. I'm just a guy with a gun. Like, it's all just classic. That was just pillow talk, baby. <laughs> uh, this is my boomstick. All of it. And so- uh, if you ever played the games, um, what was the game that uh, copied this dialogue so much? Um, I'm forgetting the name. Blonde hair, sunglasses, first person shooter. Uh, Duke Nukem. Duke Nukem copied so many lines from the Evil Dead movies, um, but it all came from this these movies. Uh, so he's in a pit. He's in the pit. Uh, he's fighting and getting his butt kicked, and then a crazy old conjurer-looking guy comes and says, "Stranger, take this!" and throws down his chainsaw. He magically reunites with it and chops the witch to bits only to be then attacked by a different hidden creature that comes out of a wall. Right. He fights this one, rides the chain up, it gets crushed and killed. And then he has what is one of my favorite parts of the movie when he's like fed up and had it with all the people <laughs> uh, and talks about his boomstick and tell, ask the guy if he wants some, who wants some? <laughs> you there <laughs> uh he like picks on that one guy <laughs> uh that guy you want some next but he has uh, a sawed off shotgun with him that he came back from the future from yeah but he has just an incredible amount of ammo for him. apparently <laughs> i like that, that he found like a box with eight in it in the back of the car and they're like yeah that'll explain it <laughs> uh so he's not an enemy he lets the red guy go right uh and then he's hailed as like a savior from the future and he talks with the old man who basically says hey if you want to get back to your time i need this magic book the necronomicon and, and you must him, say klatu verata niktu uh <laughs> yeah i got your damn words uh are you sure you must say them exactly klatu verata niktu um <laughs> so he goes out on a horse and runs from the the same camera trick that they use in Evil Dead and Evil Dead 2. Oh, with uh, the evil following him? Yeah. Is that before or after the book? Before. 
before. So he gets chased into a cabin and the evil comes in. He breaks a mirror and then out of each of the little shards of glass, a little evil him comes out. And this is another just great and delightful <laughs> sequence. And it really did remind me so much of Muppet movies because a lot of these, these um, scenes are done with the same kind of comedy from the Muppet movies and a lot yeah. of practical effects. And this was very cartoony, very um, slapstick. Um, and I even wrote down that I was like, um, only someone like Charlie Chaplin or maybe Jim Carrey could have pulled off this with making it as effective as Bruce Campbell did because it's like very goofy slapstick comedy. These little tiny people attacking him and he's making these over the top faces. It's just, it's wonderful. Yeah. Um, so they, they get the best of him. Yeah. He finds himself tied to the ground only to have one of them crawl down his throat. He grabs a big thing of boiling hot water and pours it down his <laughs> mouth. I love that in that respect, these these movies are almost more this movie's almost more akin to Looney Tunes. Yeah, basically. In that like he couldn't physically do any of the stuff he's really doing. No. He would die. He would die. <laughs> <laughs> but I just like that they're like, yep. Like, yep, that, that's the way it is. Oh, I should Enjoy. mention way before this, um, he meets a woman named Sheila. Yeah. Uh, in the town. And she hates him initially thinking that he was one of the um, aggressors who had her husband killed. No, her husband, her, her brother killed. Um, she finds out that he isn't with them. He didn't kill her brother. And he grabs her and tries to kiss her. And I'm like, oh, my God, he's like sexually assaulting her. This is terrible. But then he's like, give me some sugar, baby. And then it just cuts through the entire tension because it's so ridiculous. And now there's something in love and making love and having sex on camera. It's just so basically he's in love with Sheila now. So be aware of that. Um, so he suddenly finds an eyeball growing out of his shoulder and then a full head. And then there's a second him growing out of his body. In a very cool practical effect sequence. Great practical effect with some double work done. Right. Um, it's some great, absolutely great. If you haven't seen it, watch it. Uh, so suddenly there's an evil him separated from him. Yeah. Separated from him. And I loved evil him. It was so over the top. <laughs> and the only reason it worked is because you only had to put up with it for two minutes or three minutes. Right. Before he kills his evil self. And slashes him up in different parts and put and buries him and, uh, puts him away. Yeah. The only reason that that character and that annoying amount of him was okay was because it was short and they did the right thing. Agreed. Um, so he thinks he's done with that. He goes on, he finds the book only to find that it is three books. Which one's the right book. And this was a fun, you knew it was going to be the third book he chose, but it was a fun <laughs> chance for them to two right. two side gags. Yeah. Cause each book did something different. One was trying to suck him into a void uh, the other one's trying to bite his head. And then the void effects where his, his mouth and face elongates. Yes. I thought went on maybe a little too long. Well, that's what I wrote. Still a really cool effect. About this whole movie. Um, I love this movie, but a lot of the sequences, a lot of them uh, go on too long. And yes. they could have edited out a lot of time of this film, but they probably couldn't afford to do that because the movie's so short as it is. But there's just sequences that, like they were just indulging themselves and it was just, it gets a little old a lot of times. So they could have cut this down quite a bit. A lot of sequences. Yes, absolutely. Agreed. Yeah. yeah. Um, 
So just like uh, one, Dark Crystal, by the way, the new series, they could have done that as well. Yeah, true. <laughs> uh, so one sucks him in, one bites his hand, and then finally he goes. The third one, he says, oh, "I gotta say the words," but he can't remember Nikto. Probably the best so, part of the whole movie. I love this. So he like mumbles it. Plato, Verata. And then he takes the book, and when nothing immediately bad happens, <laughs> he's like, all right, well, I did it. Cool. Uh, he gets attacked by hands, though, right? Is that this? Yeah, a bunch of, um, and also the people back in the town, back in the castle, are like realizing the ground shaking and all sorts of things are going wrong. But back with him, all these hands are growing out of the, the graveyard and grabbing him, and we see the um, evil him be resurrected and he's suddenly back and he's going to be the, the big bad for the rest of the film. Yeah. So evil him in like crazy prosthetics. Yes. They didn't have to rely on Bruce Campbell being in too many double shots. <laughs> right. Uh, which was really smart. Yeah, really smart. Is. Go for it. Uh, is the villain. So he's raising his own army of the dead while Bruce Campbell goes back and tries to tell them everything's okay and they should just send them back. Uh, it because it's revealed that he did the wrong thing, right? He te- he finally tells the uh, the elder, the the magician guy, that he's like, uh, maybe I didn't say the words right, but it's okay, right? And he's like, sure, it's fine. The entire evil dead army is attacking us, but sure, go back. We don't care. And everyone's disappointed in him. His uh, his new lover Sheila, Sheila disappointed so him. Uh, and so he's like, oh crap, what am I gonna do? So, does he so then he he decides to man up and stick it out. Man up. And then there's like a training montage that when you look at it, it's kind of ridiculous because it's just the next day. Yeah. Where he like gets his car and gets it souped up and gets stuff out of the back and gets a shotgun shells and, and teaches the, the men to out. do huh, huh, huh. Yeah. Three moves. Which, yeah. Yeah, like some spear moves that he <laughs> you literally see them do once and he goes, yes, perfect. <laughs> they know that one. Um, and then at the same time, we have the teach, uh, teach black powder. Yeah, he makes a lot of uh, some some gunpowder stuff because he has a chemistry 101 book in the back of his uh, car. Yep. And then we have evil um, Bruce Campbell doing uh, raising all the dead. And having mm-hmm. all the skeletons come alive and getting them all digging everybody else out and they're getting ready to march onto the castle. Uh, so the battle begins. It starts with, so this, this is honestly, I thought it was a few times done poorly, but for the most part it was done very well. So the army of the dead comprised of people in prosthetics and costumes. Right. And then, and then skeleton puppets. And then also like, Stop like, motion. Uh, like Harry, what's his name? Harryhausen? Yeah. No. Uh, something uh, Harryhausen. Yeah. Uh, like stop motion animation style effects from like the 60s and 50s. Yeah. Re- literally. <laughs> um, and while a couple times it is very poor, I think that Sam Raimi made a lot of very good choices when it came to how he stacked these effects together to make them effective. Right. I'll, the majority of the time it worked. Sometimes yes. it was jarring, uh, but most of the time it worked. Most of the time it worked. I agree. And the thing he typically uses, you know, he would put like puppets. He would put the, you know, the puppet skeletons close to the camera in the forefront mm-hmm. and then use them to break the shot. So you could then see the, the, the costumed ones walking in the background. 
Yeah. And like in between them would be some of the stop motion ones that were added in later. Which is and a couple of cool. times uh, in the battle later, uh, evil Bruce Campbell became a stop motion. Yeah. Interactive that I thought was used well in one specific shot I can think of where I was kind of like, oh, that was real smart. And I love the uh, Scottish bagpipe playing skeletons. <laughs> Oh yeah, and then that like the friendly the drummer in. skeletons, yeah. and uh, so the battle commences. They use black powder to kind of do some shock and awe, but then more reinforcements show up. They end up storming the walls, and the the battle pretty much goes as expected. Like, there's no major upset. The big thing is the car reveal, where they reveal they turned his car into like a battle machine. It's pretty cool, which was pretty cool. Um, Oh yeah, Sheila had turned when, evil because uh, evil Ash had turned her into an evil Sheila. Yeah, oh yeah, Sheila turned evil. She her character really did not make much difference in this plot. No, so. it didn't. At We've all. already forgotten about her twice. <laughs> um, so, so uh, big finish. He ends up defeating him. The the evil him gets a hold of the Necronomicon. Uh, the day seems lost, but then through a series of events where he hops down onto an exploding bag on a catapult, uh, evil him gets launched into the air and explodes. Right. It's actually right before this that I thought are very effective where all three effects were used simultaneously. And it was actually very good. So it was Bruce Campbell on the left, evil Bruce Campbell on the right, evil Bruce Campbell on the right was claymation or whatever. Stop motion. Right. And so then a puppet skeleton attacked Bruce Campbell came into frame and he stabbed it at the same time. A real human came into frame and he got stabbed by stop motion evil him Ah, and all in one shot. They had all three things happening at once. How hard that must have been. And it was really and I was like, that was great. It was just a nice little show. Yeah, it's intense. Like how hard (laughs) that would have been. Um, So, yeah, it was some some great stuff like that. Uh, so he saves the day. He gets to go back. Uh, he has to say the magic words again. Uh, and then it's him at Smart again, recounting his tale, how he could have been king, but came back. And for me, uh, the version I saw was that the magic man in the um, back in time says, you have to take the this potion and just take every drop is a hundred years. So if we take six drops, that'll get you to 600 years in the future. You'll get back to your time. And he's like, perfect. So they go to a cave. They bring his car into a cave and he takes six. He blows up the entrance of the cave. So no one comes in to bother him. And he takes, he goes one, two, three, four, five drops in his mouth. And then suddenly something disturbs the front of the cave. So he looks back and he's like, what was that? He's like, okay. And then he goes five again and then six. So then he actually goes 700 years in the future. And he's in England, London to be exact, uh, 700 years in the future. And he's like, oh, crap, I went too far in the future. And he sees like broken Big Ben and everything's like post-apocalyptic. And he's there with a giant beard. And so basically it was setting up for a sequel where where Ash would be in the future fighting the Deadites uh, in a post-apocalyptic world. Um, and I like uh, that ending. But I, I had never... Awesome. I had never seen that before. I was like, what the fuck? What is this? I've got to try to find that. That's oh, awesome. I'll send you, the, I'll send you the copy that I have. I was like, wow, what? I don't remember that at all. <laughs> Cause yeah, oh, I remember back at S mart where someone at the end of, at the end of the movie, someone attacks like a dead eye attacks, right? At S mart. Yeah, yeah. And he saves this new girl. And then, yeah. yeah. 
So I was totally blown away. I was like, oh, wow, I didn't know that existed. Whoa. So yeah. Okay. I'll, that's, that's awesome. It was great. It was great. I would um, preferred that. <laughs> but apparently it didn't test well with audiences. So they were like, oh, we got to go with the other one. So fair. It was, I'd never seen that before. Yeah. Uh, so this one, I think plays service well to the other two. Yes. Uh, and I think it's a, it's a good third movie. It's fun. It's a lot of fun. If you haven't seen it, check it out. Army of Darkness. That has been our rule of three ruling. Absolutely. Um, so now for my second bit, <laughs> I've got uh, a little bit of trivia for German. Oh, boy. And uh, this week is going to be some military slang in terms. <laughs> I won't know any of these things. So I did choose one that have clues in the name. All right. All right. I'll try. And remember, the point of this game is not for you to get it right but to make me chuckle and be creative. Oh, good. <laughs> That's the real point of this game, because I don't expect you to get many of these. Nice. But we all get to learn something. <laughs> all right. I've got seven of them. Oh, Are you ready? I am ready. All right. If someone is a bedpan commando, what are they? Huh. They are uh... bedpan commando. They're great in battle, but they have to pee all the time. <laughs> no, that is somebody that works in the medical corps. Okay. <laughs> it's right. a bedpan commando. <laughs> Fair enough. If you're browned off, what are you? Uh, you, you, from the foreign country you're in, you've gotten the shits, so you can't fight anymore. Uh, no, you're, you're annoyed or fed up. You're annoyed or fed up. Okay. <laughs> All right. If if a soldier is cab happy, what are they? Yeah, that guy's cab happy. Uh, he's excited about. Um, he's been driven around too much, so he's too comfortable. Uh, I'm gonna give you a half point for that one. All you right. got really close. I thought you were gonna say it. It's a soldier who is who's excited to be the driver. Okay. All right. All right. Thanks for the half cab point. happy. I appreciate the half point. Uh, all right. A juice jerker. A uh, guy who call, call it a juice jerker. Somebody who will um, gives water, water or drinks to everybody. That's a great guess, but no, it is an electrician. Oh, they're actually juice giving the jerker. juice to the electronics. Okay, that's right. All right, hey, watch out! That guy's a real mitt flopper. <laughs> Jesus, mitt, mitt flopper. flopper. Okay. Uh, it's a real mitt flopper. Uh, I have no idea. I'm not even trying right. to guess. This comes from a soldier who salutes unnecessarily, but also is more common for a brown noser or a yes man. That makes a lot of sense. He's a real mm -hmm. mitt flopper. All right, cool. That makes sense. All right. So think of this. Oh, this one, the clue is think of this in terms of the different armed forces. Okay. If someone is a penguin, uh, they are a um, like green beret who's good at swimming in cold environments. It can be like a, yeah, a swim infiltrator. <laughs> oh, that's real good. <laughs> uh, so that's it's someone in the air force who doesn't actually fly. Oh, okay, that makes penguin. that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. All right. Uh, <laughs> This last one's interesting. Sugar report. 
sugar report. Uh, a report of a battle that just like sugarcoats everything. It makes it seem like it's better than it actually was. <laughs> no. Uh, that's All your guesses are real good. Oh, I appreciate uh, that. A letter from your gal back home. Oh. Mm, boys, come get your sugar reports. That makes sense. That's good. I like that. All right. So you got a half point. I got one half point for that whole fucking game. Are we on some trailer reviews? I think we are. All right. Let's do some trailer reviews. All right. So this week, some like, I don't know how to feel about both of these. Well, first we have, uh, we both, both movies are very family friendly. Uh, yes. Uh, Dr. Doolittle. I, I'm not going to play the trailer because this particular trailer that's Plus just the music and noise. It There's like four lines in the whole trailer, so I'm not going to play it. Um, but it's with Robert Downey Jr. playing Dr. Doolittle. If you're under 30, you might not know what Dr. Doolittle is. Um, but I think we all know what that is. Uh, yeah, it's about a doctor guy who learns how to talk to animals and not like in a magic kind of way. Like he learns how to communicate and speak the language of all these different animals. I always thought it was kind of magic. Parrot. There's something kind of, but he learns it from a parrot. Like it's not from a parrot. It's not like he, he drinks a magic dust or something. Yeah. The parrot teaches him how to talk to the animals. Oh, I forgot about that whole part of it. <clears throat> and then there's a giant snail on the original one. It's for the people that brought us like Alice in Wonderland in that kind of overblown style. Yeah. There is not a single thing about this movie that excites me. Yeah. It just looks like a bunch of CGI and celebrity cameos. That kind of describes it pretty well. Yeah. A lot of CGI, a lot of motion capture, fake animals that don't look right. Like with things like the Lion King that just came out, these don't look good. Yeah. I mean, it looks okay. It's better than crap, but it's not great. Uh, so this one, I'm going to rate a Gary Busey and faculty telling someone, I auditioned for the part of the gorilla, you know. All I put was uh, one confused, drug-addled Gary Busey. <laughs> That's what I put. <laughs> but like, honestly, though, like if this was just on television, I'd, I'd let my kid watch it. Like It'd be like, all right, but I, I'm not excited about this yeah, film. I, and I will make zero effort to actually watch this. Right. You're not going to like go out with your kid to a theater to watch this film. All right. So our next movie is Jungle Cruise. And we do have a play for this. Legend has it there is a tree in the Amazon that possesses unparalleled healing powers. And the arrowhead is the key to unlocking it. Stop her! Hello. Uh, just wanted you to know this has been mislabeled. He's shipping outlets? Of all the jungle cruises you can take in the Amazon, this one is undoubtedly the cheapest, but also the most thrilling. Heads up, coming through. Look out! Marauders. Natives. Ladies and gentlemen, the moment you've all been waiting for. The backside of water. Steve's wonder of the world. We're headed up river to Lagrimas de Cristal. We must secure our travel. Come on. Hello? Hi. 
Not a good time. My brother and I are looking for passage up river. Please go away. I have a lot of money. If you believe in legends, you should believe in curses, too. You're going to beg me to turn back. Well, I look forward to disappointing you. 10,000 to bring you there alive. Dead is 15,000. Why should I pay more dead? Dead, I'd have to carry you. Dead's a lot harder, lady. Here we go. Oh, God, sorry, Frank. Sorry, strong form. I cannot swim. You booked a river cruise and you can't swim? The price just went up. So, um, I, I'm actually more positive about this trailer because I'm like, this seems like a lot of fun in the same vein of like, um, uh, the mummy or pirates, of the Caribbean, the first one, it seems like it's just yeah, a lot of fun. Pirates of the Caribbean is what came to mind for me as yeah, well. Yeah. It seems fun. It seems really enjoyable. And it could also be because it's another boat based ride from Disney that I'm <laughs> yeah, remembering. Absolutely. Um, I like the aspect that they're keeping the cheesy nature of the jungle cruise. Yeah, because if, if you watch the trailer, in, um, I suggest you guys do, it It shows that he's manufacturing moments on his jungle cruise for his patrons who are paying for his cruise. Like he's has like he actually has like animatronics coming up and uh, people who are he's paying to pretend that they're they're jungle like people yeah, dressed as the natives. Yeah, exactly. So that's a really great idea. I love that. That's a really good idea. So he's kind of this fraud, you know, jungle explorer. The rock. She's yeah, the rock. Uh, Emily Blunt is the kind of haphazard, uh, very Phoebe Phoebe from the Mummy, like very very that in this yeah, regard. Absolutely. Was her name Phoebe? Um, I don't remember that. I think so. Huh. Uh, Rachel Vice's character from right. the Mummy. Very much that aspect, kind of bumbling, stumbling. She has a brother that is mentioned, but not really shown. Mm-hmm. My assumption is he's the villain, but that's just a guess. Could be. Um, and she convinces him to go up river for a large sum of money, also very much the mummy, uh, right. and find an ancient artifact that unlocks the secret to eternal life or something. Yeah. Um, like this... I mean, you're right. I care about this a little bit more than Doolittle, but not a whole lot. Yeah, I just see it as like not going to be a great movie, not going to be groundbreaking or anything, but just be. It, it looks like it's a lot of fun. Um, like uh, kind of like the uh, Jumanji uh sequel was, where it's yeah. it not groundbreaking, not nothing crazy, but it was it was a lot of fun. It was actually really well made and good actors in it and enjoyable. Both of the rock in them. <laughs> Uh, so this one for me gets a Gary Busey who's like, you know, I also got the role of one of the natives, but then I was too confused and drug addled to get there. <laughs> He's always drug addled every time. <laughs> Mine was uh, two raw Julia's eating popcorn because I'm excited about this one. Are they sharing a popcorn or do they each have their own? Each have their own. They're too independent. One, one of them likes butter and the other one doesn't or they do. They're very particular. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. One only likes butter at the bottom. I get it. And one guy has like like a, a kind of flavored salt on top. 
Oh, the other one has secret M&Ms he doesn't want the other one to know about. Shh, don't tell him. Don't tell him. Because he likes having the, the, the salty and the sweet with the yeah, popcorn. But if the other Raw Julia finds out about that, he'll want them too. Don't, don't, don't tell him. All right. So those two are all Julia's. <laughs> all right. So now we have some radical recommends. I recommend. If you have the means, I highly recommend picking one up. What do you recommend I do? I recommend Pleasant. All right, so what you got for us this week, Steve? So this week I bring uh, from my YouTube dive. These guys I've been watching for a while, and I never recommended them because I assumed they have had just an incredible amount of viewership and subscribers. Uh, but I was, once again, I was surprised that they didn't have more. Huh. Uh, so these two guys are called the Dungeon Dudes, and they're two guys uh, who just talk Dungeons and Dragons, but everything. They talk everything Dungeons and Dragons from crunchy stuff, like specific class breakdowns, sometimes even discussing the possibilities of a certain feat, but really their emphasis is on creative play and creative ways to use things. Huh? Uh, they also, do, so they talk about, Oh, what is it? Uh, if you can, there's a spell where you can generate water and how much water could you generate and how much would it take to flood a cave? And then <laughs> how many water, yeah. feet of water could you put in a bag of holding <laughs> and then have at your disposal at any given moment? Things we all think about. Right. right, right. But they said they, they just play these things out and they talk about creative combat tactics or uh, they have really great things. The one that recently is a house rules for uh, grittier games. Hmm. Uh, and they've got this great thing where they talk about debilities, but on a much more predictable scale. Hmm. Um, and exhaustion earned in different ways that makes it much more, you have to weigh out whether you can go into a battle or not. and forces you to think more creatively. Gotcha. Uh, that can be fun. I highly recommend them on YouTube, on Twitter, on Facebook. Dungeon Dudes. Check them out. Hit subscribe. They've got a little bit of everything for the crunchy players, for the creative players. They've got it all. And are they talking only 5e? Or are they doing other game systems as well? They do. 5e is the what they talk about on the show, but they both sometimes make reference to differences between 3, 5, and 4 and how certain things has evolved. Oh, so while they do have a background in older ones, the content is in 5. Okay, gotcha. But 5 is, is pretty freaking fantastic, so you should be paying attention to it. So Right. Nice. So Dungeon Dudes, check Dungeon them out. Dungeon Dudes, great name too. Good they got that. Yeah, good for them. Yeah, fantastic. What a good episode, Steve. I'm really happy about what just happened. Do you, do you have a radical recommend? Oh, fuck, I didn't give mine yet. I do. <laughs> I, I do. Like, oh. uh, I do. So tonight, um, I've watched them before, but uh, the new season of Short Treks is out on CBS All Access, or if you're in Canada or the UK, it might be on Netflix for you or on some kind of channel. I'm not sure. But for me, I had to subscribe to CBS All Access. And these were the best two Short Treks I've ever seen. So what Short Treks is, is it's basically in the uh, new CBS All Access universe of um, Discovery and Picard. They put out these... Um, it's mostly a discovery universe, these short uh, episodes um, in the Star Trek universe. And they're so good. So one of them was uh, Spock first entering the enterprise in the, in the, um, the time of, of captain Pike. He meets number one who was played by major Barrett in the original series is now played by Rebecca Romaine. 
um, and she's wonderful as number one. And Spock and Rebecca Romaine as number one get trapped in a. Uh, oh my god, I'm forgetting the name now because I'm tired. Uh, but in an elevator, basically. So, hydro lift. Oh my god, my my trek card is gone. Uh, but anyways, it was a great episode. And then the next episode is H. John Benjamin. Uh, he played. He's from Archer and uh, Boss Burgers. I'm sure you've seen one of those shows, Steve. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. So he's actually in the episode. He is the creator of the Tribbles and makes them multiply like they do in this short trick episode. And I was sitting there with my Star Trek crew. We're all watching these things. And my friend Jamie, she was like, that is the best episode of Star Trek I've ever seen in my entire life. (laughs) Okay. And so it might change the can a little bit of how Tribbles were made, but it was so funny. We were all laughing hysterically throughout the entire episode, but it was also just disturbing and great and well-made. It was so good. And you've seen Alita Battle Angel, um, the star from that movie who was CGI altered in her face. She was the star of that episode as well with H. John John Benjamin. And it was so good. So short treks, recommend them highly. Um, I'm still very angry at uh, the co-host of the uh, Rust Robot podcast because he refuses to watch any of the CBS All Access shows uh, for Star Trek. Uh, Josh, you need to get your sit shorted out. So is it because they're way over his head? They're not over his head because he thinks they're not canon and they're not uh, they're not following science or whatever. He's wrong. They're great. Okay. When has Star Trek ever been about following science? Let's start with that. <laughs> We've been over it that most of the time it's just magic techno babble. It kind of is exactly. But a lot of the times that I, I really respect Josh because he's he's bringing up good points, but at the same time he needs to realize they have been following canon and they've been doing it very intricately and it's, it's following canon very well. Nothing has broken canon with these shows. It explains canon and it still works with canon. I wish I could explain that to him. So one day we'll have to go on this podcast together and just like duke it out about Star Trek canon and make him realize it's all working. Uh, but yeah, I recommend short treks. If you can somehow find them through the storks, just do it or get CBSL access. It's fantastic. Okay. Short treks. Love it. Love it. In the meantime, we will keep coming back and being your nerdy co-hosts if you guys keep coming back and being our nerdy audience. Thanks again, Internet. Stay nerdy, my friends. Thanks for listening to A Play on Nerds. Find all of this content and even more nerdy news, reviews, and fun at www.aplayonnerds.com. Be sure to like us on Facebook and follow us on Twitter so you know the exact second we release new podcasts, articles, and other nerdy content. We know you're impatient. Subscribe to us on iTunes, Podbean, Buzzsprout, Podomatic, and whatever the hell else you use. Also, please leave us a rating and review on your chosen podcast platform so we can be discovered by even more nerds like yourself. However you do it, check us out. And how. I totally forgot to tell you. Okay. And we should be recording this. Are you recording? I'm still recording, yeah. Okay, good. So... I needed to watch the last half hour of Army of Darkness earlier. Uh-huh. So we gave her her iPad time after dinner. So she went in her room and did her iPad time, and I was able to finish up the movie. And she came out maybe in the last 10 minutes, somewhere in the battle. Okay. She came out and she went, Daddy, why are you watching this terrible movie? <laughs>
<laughs> and I said, what? And she said, this terrible movie. <laughs> Anna overhears it because I'm blown away. Anna of overhears it. It says, what's dad watching? And she goes, a terrible movie. It's just terrible. Oh, my God. I wish you could have recorded that. That would have been amazing. I, know, I, was, I was just like, oh, my God. She knows. <laughs> I'm so excited for the human she's going to become. Like, that's amazing. <laughs> it's just terrible. terrible. What are you doing, dad? You're so stupid. <laughs> she was sincere. Too. Yeah. Of course. That's really funny. <laughs> so I paused it and finished it while she was in bath. Dad, what the fuck are you doing? This is terrible. <laughs> She's been asking those questions a lot more frequently. <laughs> yeah, what are you watching for the podcast? She'll be 15 and be like, Dad, seriously, what the fuck are you watching? <laughs> Don't embarrass me on the podcast. <laughs> Oh, I can't wait. Oh, my God. Until she's older, let's embarrass the hell out of her. It's going to be great. That's right. <laughs> All uh, right. So we're on uh, other trailer things. reviews. 